welcome back to another episode of one of these years. Bye week edition, a little late in the week, I apologize for that, but uh, it is the bye week, of course. I'm of course Nick Bumgarner along with Colton Pouncey, uh, who is on location in Chicago uh, as the bye week now begins for him, as it's been a... You guys, I was telling you before we got in the air, you got screwed a little bit here, man. Like, the Monday night, <laughs> Monday night before the bye, it feels like a little bit of a cheap bye, does it not? Yeah, we've got a shortened <laughs> week, man. Uh, you know, this is the second, so like... I was supposed to go on a, on a trip before the season. I was going to go to yeah. Toronto with uh, Max and James. And we had this whole thing planned out for Labor Day weekend. And then the Lions released their schedule because they had the Thursday game to start the season. Right. And they ended up practicing on a Friday and a Saturday. So I had to be at the facility for that. So I got that ruined because they had to start the season on a Thursday in front of everyone. And then uh, for this Monday game during the bye week, you know, they play on Monday night, so I already lose a day there. Then they have to come back on Tuesday with Campbell. Then there's a trade mm-hmm. deadline, and, and it's all the of a sudden i got a shortened yeah. bye week. Oh, <laughs> so, and it's the damn deadline. Well, it's the yeah. second time they've done this to me, man. But yeah, that happens. Here we well, are. <laughs> well, we'll talk about the deadline as well as we uh, get into this, because the Lions did make a move, uh, but maybe not the move folks wanted to see, but I suppose we'll talk about that. Uh, but also, Colton, the uh, last week's game, or Monday night's game, you know, we talked... Last week in that Ravens performance, this is an interesting one about, you know, no one had any sort of hesitation in saying they would be ready to play this game. We knew that that would be charged up, ready to go. And they were, right? I mean, they were. They came out firing. I mean, there are nitpicks in this game, of course, and we can talk about that too. But by and large, and we talked about this last week, this team just doesn't lay on the ground for very long. They get up after they've been knocked down. And there are qualms about how they, you know, executed this game for sure. But, like, the the effort and everything else, exactly what you want to see. And, I would say, pretty familiar, right? Every time they've lost under Campbell, for the most part, you, and, and really it's been a bad loss, I should say, the next game is either a win or, like, a really tough, you know, L that they fought all the way to. Yeah, no doubt. You know, one thing we always talk about this team is just the way that they can respond and get off the mat. And, um, you know, we talked about this last week that we kind of expected this to happen. And, it's you know, the Raiders are a team that you, sh- you should do. Yeah, well, <laughs> not- right. And they ended up firing their coach and their GM like two Tuesday, days later. Two in the um, morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah that was, how about that? I was still up Amazing. for that, so that was great to see on Twitter. I, yeah. uh, I, was, I get like, up early now, so I got, like, I, my favorite tweet on that really quick was, like, somebody, he says, the the AM Twitter shift is really going to freak out when they see what happened. <laughs> when they see what happened. And I got up really early that Tuesday, and I'm like, oh, yeah, there it is. Anyway, go ahead. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but in terms of, of, of that game, like, think you saw pretty much everything you want to see you know the Monday night crowd was was awesome like first and foremost like the Lions had this sort of light show I think they're giving like some sort of lights to people when they walked in so yeah. it's kind of like mm-hmm. coordinated lights which were cool it was like blue and white um it was like really deafening in there it was like one of the loudest games I've been to um and just in terms of like the play style like right Lions really dominated that game like the score is a lot closer than it should have been but Absolutely, they really yeah. dominated on both sides of the ball um, only gave up 157 yards. Um, they recorded 486 yards, so, like, that should tell you all you need to see. Like, the scoreboard, it's a win's a win, but, like, they really dominated that in the trenches, you know, start to finish. So, um, good effort, and uh, like you said, ba- good bounce back and kind of exactly what you want to see. Good bounce back, and, you know, they were shorthanded as well. You know, they, they didn't have the full group up front. I thought Taylor Decker played great. Um, and considering the situation, so did Panay. I mean, because you don't have much in there, and you have to do what you have to do. And Max Crosby is awesome. My God, as we saw again, like he's <laughs> one of my favorites in the league, and it's been that way for a while. But I mean, I still thought everything inside acquitted itself the way it needed to. We can talk about the red zone and all that in a second. But the thing I 
really wanted to see in this game more than anything. More than, and I agree with you that this probably, if you look at it, it's, it's probably like a forty-five-six game if they execute like three <laughs> more plays, right? Yep. Was, but the thing I wanted to see in this game was Gibbs because didn't seem like Montgomery. They were if there was any point in bringing him in here before you go to the bye, um, unless you know whatever. But like I just felt like this was going to be a great chance for them to let him loose again and really load it up and just give him the whole game. And I don't know, man. Like I don't know about you, Colton, but I felt a little bit of vindication. Uh, as someone who has not abandoned ship and did, in fact, think this guy was worth the first, or at least a first-round graded player coming out of the draft, and um, he showed it, the whole thing. And i that's what you can get out of this guy. I don't know, you know, the durability and everything else is something that we have to see, but that's the money that we saw at Georgia Tech, at Bama, all the between-the-tackle stuff and the outside stuff, nine catches. Talk about Gibbs, man. That was a hell of a day. Yeah, to me, like, this was sort of the vision, right? That, exactly. That's why Brad and Dan were celebrating and, like, I think, <laughs> yeah, right. who's it, Brad, that, like, knocked the wind out of Campbell at, at the Broke draft? Broke his wrist, <laughs> damn near, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that's why you react the way to get a player like that, and this is, I'm sure, vindicating for them, too, watching this game and saying, you know, look, this is why we drafted this guy. He's going off. Like, this is everything we wanted to see. Because uh, he was doing it in the passing game. He was running between the tackles. He was getting tough yards. He was Man, yeah. extending some of those runs, like, in the second level and breaking tackles and spending off dudes. It's like, that's what they were missing last year. Um, you know, Swift could get you yards when they were available, but he wasn't sort of this, like, break tackle machine. Um, and he, the durability issues were there. Not so much this year, which is kind of funny. But he's he's, made well, to, to, he's managed to stay healthy this year, sure. which is good. Uh, that was always the issue with him, though. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're talking about the situation, like, you know, contract year, injuries weren't there. It just never worked out here, I guess. And so they moved on, and they got a guy that, that could kind of replace him in that role and might be a little bit more dynamic. And yeah. when you're watching him run, like these, the 27-yard touchdown, that was that was awesome because he's he's in he's in the he's you know running between the tackles. He's patient. He kind of jump start stops and then you know sneaks through and breaks out okay, for a touchdown. Gets to the yeah. outside, gets to the edge, and runs it in for a 27-yard touchdown. And that run to me, I saw that we, when we did our film review um, with Gibbs, mm-hmm. you know, kind of yep. watching his tape from Georgia Tech and Alabama, we saw a lot of those runs on his on his film. Yep. And it's like, it, it's in there. You just got to give him some time. And he might be one of those rhythm running backs where, like, if you only give him, like, 10 carries, you know, it might, he might only get you, like, 40 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're waiting for the big run. The big run's going to come if you give him, like, the touches and give him the opportunities. So... He finally got that workload. He got 31 touches in this game, which is more than I thought he was going to get. And he made the most of it. I think he had 189 yards, something like that. And Sounds right, yeah. A touchdown and um, 152 on the ground on 26 yeah. carries. And it's like, man, that's that's an impressive outing. And um, that's something that the Lions saw and finally, finally got a chance to see it in person. And something that you said there is so critical with him because, like, if you give him 10 carries – it's not like he's gonna just get ten yard. You know, he's gonna minimum. He's gonna still, even if he doesn't hit a big whopper for you, as we've seen, he's gonna still get four or five. He's gonna yeah. still average. I've got some numbers here for folks. I looked at True Media actually, um, because this has been a topic of conversation, right? The Gibbs slash Montgomery is it an upgrade over Swift and Jamal? And like, I think that we'll just sit here and say it's absolutely an upgrade over Swift plus Jamal because Jamal Williams has 38 carries through Hoverman. And I I love Jamal, but I mean everybody, everyone on this podcast told y'all that was coming. Okay, like he's not. He was you know 
either ready to throttle down or move into a different role, and they upgraded. So there's that. Yards, bef- I'm sorry, yards after contact per rush. Gibbs is number seven in the NFL at 3.24, uh, right behind Bijan, who's 3.25. Uh, oh. Montgomery is 13, uh, and Swift is somewhere in the 20s. Okay, mm-hmm. on that one. Uh, let's see actually where Swift is. I think Swift's right behind him. My bad. Uh, Montgomery's 22, and Swift is 23. So actually they're both about the same on that after after contact. Now here's the one that separates it that people don't see. Yards before contact per rush. The number one rusher in the league on this is Swift. The number That mm-hmm. means who's running behind the number. He's ahead of Lamar Jackson in this, okay? Who's running behind <laughs> the best offensive line, who's got the most space. It's yeah. DeAndre Swift. So... If you look at the box score numbers and everything DeAndre's putting up, and he stayed healthy and he's done everything with those available yards that has been asked of him. I'm not trying to cut him or say that he's been a poor player because he hasn't been. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know how you look at all that stuff. And there are more, you know, there and not more. and not see exactly what they were trying to do. Now you people want to argue on the positional value and all that sort of thing, but like even those people would say this is an upgrade. Clearly an upgrade uh, now and long term. It's an upgrade, right? And I just don't know how else you. How else you decipher that? No, yeah. Even before this game, um, I think like last week I tweeted um, some stats from a um, SIS, and they had uh, broken and missed tackles combined. So broken yeah. tackles they generate as like power based, like you make someone miss like with a stiff arm, something like that, or bounce off a tackle. Yeah, that's cool. And a missed tackle is considered like agility based, so you're just juking someone. Yep. Um, so they combined broken and missed tackles and had leaders for NFL rushers. Um, this is before the Monday night game, but. Dave Montgomery ranked 8th in the league with 16. And Jameer Gibbs ranked 12th in the league with 14. And both those yeah. guys have missed time. So Right, yeah. That, that tells you those numbers could be even higher if they were playing and healthy 100%. and you know, whatnot. So you're getting two backs that are basically borderline top 10 in missed tackles and broken tackles combined. So that shows you like sort of the effort. It's like everything we talked about with Ben Johnson saying he wants to turn those runs from 4 and 5 into these home run runs. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's – that's why you get backs like this that can break tackles and generate missed tackles in space. Um, and that's what they're doing. And they're getting exactly what they wanted when they talked about this in February. And here you are, you know, nine months later, and you're seeing the production on the field. And I think that's, you know, probably everything they want to see. Um, you know, seeing Gibbs go off the way he is, I'm sure a lot of people were probably impatient. And oh, I think yeah, some I of get that it. I was. I wanted to see yeah, more. I, mean, like, <laughs> I was, for sure. I wanted to see I don't this. think, uh, you know, some of it was... <laughs> towards gives but i think most people were like rational understanding oh no yes it's I just opportunity based yeah, right. yeah like coaching staff give them those carries yes um but i also understood why they were doing it that way but you yeah. know it's just a matter of time you got to be patient sometimes um for the crowd that said oh we shouldn't have spent a running a first round pick on a running back i still understand your sentiment to a, yeah. to a degree but when you're getting the production the results like this and it's working for a team that runs the ball as frequently as the lions do and as you know Variety well as based do. as they are in mm-hmm. their run game and how diverse they are in their run scheme, getting two backs like this at a high level, playing at a high level behind this offensive line, you can win with this crew. Like there are different ways to win the NFL. You can do it with a Pat Mahomes. Or you can do it with a diverse running game like the Lions are doing. So, I mean, when you don't have Pat Mahomes, you have to pivot, and the Lions are pivoting, and it's working for them. So, I understand why they went out and got Gibbs, and I think uh, people learned that on Monday night, especially when you get into the playoffs. Right, mm-hmm. like you got if you get to the playoffs, and you find a way to have the offensive line standing upright and somewhat healthy, and you got both those guys, it's a both problem. 
It is a big problem for people. You go to the playoffs every year and we see some guy that you've never heard of that has 680 yards rushing, right? Because he's the last man standing on whatever team he's on. For a team that runs the ball and is dedicated to it, I totally understand what they're doing. And I would also say, you know, I think a lot of people looked at this, and fair enough, they looked at the flip or the switch as like, okay, you swapped um, Jamal Williams for Montgomery because that was a free agent situation, and then you swapped Swift for Gibbs. Yep. Which, you know, you can look at it that way if you wanted to. I would actually look at it the other way, though, because I think Montgomery and Swift are very similar football players. They are very, very similar in terms of their ability to, to make, take care of available yards, missed tackles, forced, all that sort of thing. DeAndre has agility. They can both catch the ball. Um, and I think they probably even out. Like, DeAndre's swing, strengths probably even out the things that Montgomery does better. He's probably a better between-the-tackles guy. But the real gain is that you added Gibbs for Jamal Williams and like that is not even comparable like and I again I don't want to dog on Jamal but it's not comparable like and this is a weapon that is adding receiving you know nine catches in this game the last two weeks have been big time for this kid yeah no doubt and to me it's like yeah we're not piling on Jamal here but Jamal was never like a lead back until he was forced into that role yeah. When Swift was out, Swift had to miss so much time last year specifically. I mean, he missed time his whole career, but mm-hmm. last year you couldn't really rely on him midseason, so they had to go to Jamal. And I know he had 1,000 yards and 17 touchdowns were nice, but that was a product of the offense and the offensive line. It wasn't right. so much as Jamal breaking tackles on the second level or you know making stuff happen on his own. So when you, when you talk about the upgrade there, it's like, okay, you're upgrading from – a one B probably in Swift, and then a number two in Jamal to like two one A's in Gibbs and you know Montgomery. Exactly. Like these, both these guys could start for other teams. Yep. Um, so you have two starting caliber running backs, not not a backup, not a guy that's a part time running back, like a third down back, or you can't trust him. Be like the injury stuff. You know, I'm looking at the running back room, and I say Gibbs can start for like thirty teams. Absolutely. <laughs> Montgomery can start for like twenty plus teams. Like right. that's. Sort of the deal here. The Vines have two really good running backs that a lot of teams would covet. And I know there are teams that wanted Gibbs a little later yep, yep. on, like in mm-hmm. that first round, like the teens. Um, so, yeah, the Lions have them both, and they're not apologizing for it, man. Like, that's exactly. sort of the deal. Yeah. They want that's, these guys, and they're here, and they're producing. That's the takeaway. They are unapologetically running the football, and they do not care what you think about it. And that is the, that's the whole thing. And uh, And that's how they're building the team. That's how they're structuring the whole thing and I don't see that changing you know anytime soon uh, okay the gripes about this game of Colton of course you know uh they don't finish in the red zone they don't finish you know almost 500 yards and 26 points is really not what you want to see there of course a win's a win and it, it was a dominant game so it doesn't really get too bad you know in every situation it was wasn't like these drives weren't productive or anything um so I don't know what to make of that I got asked about that a few times this week on different stuff and I was like you know I I kind of wondered if, you know, last week, the Ravens game, was Ben Johnson's first really, like, that was not a good day. And, like, for anybody, it was a bad day for everybody, including him. And I did wonder, like, was he going to try to, like, overcorrect this week and, like, go a little bit too much? And I got to say, like, after the receiver pass, that was open, so fair enough. If Amon Ra throws it, it's a touchdown. Throw the ball, man. (laughs) Right? Now, was it necessary? You know, maybe not. So, and I do wonder if a little bit of that crept in there, at least in the first half. Second half, you know, I think they were just trying to motor the game down and get out of there. But I do, I don't know. What's your thoughts on on Johnson's day and then the offense in general? I'm not concerned. But if it happens again, I think I maybe would start to get concerned. So, yeah, uh, that's my take on it. 
I'm not concerned because that's, I mean, when you're playing the Raiders, you don't have to be too concerned. But going oh. forward, like, yeah, I think it's fair to wonder, like, you know, do they need to be more efficient in the red zone? Because sure. uh, I'm on True Media right now, and in terms of red zone touchdown percentage, the Lions rank 21st in the league yeah, at 48.1%. And they're getting there a lot because they have a good offense, but they're just not converting. So, like, the points are still going to be high because they're just – they're there all you the know, time. Yeah, they're there all the time. Um, so you're gonna put up more points the more opportunities you have, but um, their efficiency is not great. Forty eight point one percent. That is below league average, which yeah, is fifty point three percent. It's not the worst you've ever seen. point six percent. Yeah, right. So yeah, it's not the worst, but it could be better. Um, they're five percent below league average, um, and that's been a thing. Like the the Ravens game, they got down there a few times and they just. I don't know, maybe they're pressing too hard and you're already down. So I understand that one a little bit more. Um, but if you're a fan, you're watching that, I can see how it's a little frustrating. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I do think, you know, Montgomery is sort of the red zone That's back the other, there. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. when you don't have him, like your number's going to go down a little bit. So I think when they get him back and probably Jonah in there a little bit too, like you could see that number rise. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to kind of – has some critiques and about Frank. That. Yeah, I mean that's a bit. Yeah. That's all part Frank of that. Too, yeah. That's 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 all part of the red zone discussion with the Lions, especially in this game when you don't have your interior at all, and Glasgow has to play, you know, not out of position, but sort of out of position because he hasn't played there all year anyway. Um, you know, at center, so you know that's the adjustment that sort of gets lost in the cracks there. But also, like you said, I didn't get too hot about it because I still gained 500 yards with the backups in the middle. Source doll hung in there pretty well, I thought, for the most part. I didn't, again, mm-hmm. like, would they look awesome? No, but, like, it's the same thing that we talked about in camp. He's not getting embarrassed. He's not getting, like, ragdolled. He was actually decent in as a run blocker. He had some pass pro issues, but, you know, he's a rookie. So that's good, yep. too, you know. I mean, I thought all that stuff was good Good to see. Uh, you got any, any other thoughts on this one before we talk about the old deadline here? Because I know that's a hot topic uh, as well. <laughs> um, Yeah, I mean, they... Took care of business. They got the win, and uh, they're six and two now. Like second place in the NFC right now, in a good place. Uh, the bye week is here, and yeah, I mean they're not going to apologize for that win, but it could have been better. I'm sure they're no, and I going to yeah. look over the tape and try to fix some of those things going forward. But you can't complain with the win. I mean, and look at the division, everybody. Right, <laughs> the best team in the division, other than Detroit, is Minnesota, and Cousins is gone for the year. So you know they I, they traded for Jacoby Brissett, I think. Right, is that what happened, or my? Or no, they trade. They traded for somebody. Who they trade for? Did they not? The the Vikings. Vikings they traded for a uh, Josh Dobbs. Dobbs, not for set. So they got him, and I'm like, okay, so that's happening. But they're also going to start Jaron Hall, so that's not doing well. So we're uh, already in a situation, and Jefferson's not coming back. So you go down. Jefferson the list might be again. back in a couple weeks. Well, a couple weeks, but he's on IR anyway for a bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, my no. point is here is that the Lions did lead here could be. Pretty tough to overcome. I mean, we'll see if Dobbs... He played well. Dobbs did. Uh, I don't know why I called him. Yeah, but he, play, he played well in Arizona, I thought. All things yeah. considered, in the first couple weeks. That's another one. I don't know what the hell Arizona's doing with Kyler. I assume he's playing now. I guess if they're going to make that trade. They might go with uh, Clayton Toon for a week, and then there's a whole Ky- Kyler comes big, back next week. There's a whole big <laughs> um, contract thing with Kyler, man, that's like oh, really weird. Yeah. It's okay. like if he gets hurt... Again this year, they are on the Cardinals are on the hook for the whole bag next year. Oh boy, (laughs) or something like that. However, uh, we're off topic. Whatever, it's bye week. Gannon, I believe, wants to play Kyler, the you know the coach there. 
So yeah, he I, wants know, to win. Yeah. Right. He's trying to keep himself in the job. So, yeah. oh, I'll, we'll, yeah, Clayton Toon might be the guy as <laughs> they tank the rest of the season. Uh, we'll see about that. But anyway, yeah. Lions lead the division, Colton. I mean, it looks, I don't want to say insurmountable here, but they are in a firm driver's seat with the schedule they have, the quarterback situation in Minnesota, Chicago, Chicago, Green Bay's Green Bay. You know, it's looking okay here. Life is good, as Dan Campbell said. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think at this point, the biggest concern for the Lions is, like, preparing for the playoffs and the teams you're going to face there and making sure you're getting in enough work in the regular season against some of these quarterbacks and making sure you give the good looks. And I don't know. I think that's what you should be concerned. Obviously, you still got to play the games. But, yeah, the Vikings are – they sold off a little bit the deadline. They did trade for Dobbs, but I don't think he's going to be a savior. No. Um, He's solid. Kirk though, out. Yeah. I mean, if Kirk was out like two weeks, then maybe you could still be in it. But exactly. I mean, he's out the rest he, of the year. Right. And that's not. Yeah. Um, the Bears are the Bears and they're bad. And the Packers are kind of in a nosedive here. So that division's theirs, man. Like, if they, yeah. they're they not going to lose it at this point. So just about yeah, keep yourself so we'll, right. We'll see what happens, I suppose. But they're in a good spot. Okay. Trade deadline. Um, Lions don't make any moves on defense. And the one ad they do make is Donovan Peoples Jones. Sending a six-round pick, right, Colton, to Cleveland uh, for Donovan, who was a six-round pick originally uh, from Cleveland. So that's an uh, even swap for the Browns. Uh, well, before we talk about Donovan, Colton, um, defensively, a lot of, that was the focus for most people. Um, my biggest gripe if, was that if I had a gripe, and if, if they, if I think if they have a regret later in the year, it'll be that they didn't add a corner at the deadline. Um, yeah. That was me. I didn't think that they were going to add an edge. I, I can understand the case that gets made for it. I didn't see that happening for a number of reasons we could talk about, but that was my take on the defensive side. Of that. I don't know what you thought, um, but also look at the market too. We saw Elam was hurt, right? He went on IR right away. Buffalo floated him and then immediately put him on IR. So that was a, a red herring or whatever. So I don't. Johnson didn't get moved from Chicago. So I don't know. What do you think about the defensive stuff there, or lack thereof? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it last week. The cornerback market was probably what we were looking for in terms of the biggest need. Um, yeah. Just because it's not, it's not even that Jerry's not playing well. I think he's bounced back after, like, a rough start to the season. Sure. But, like, your starting corners are Cam Sutton and Jerry Jacobs. Cam Sutton probably on, like, a championship-level defense is, like, a good number two, not a number one. Right. And, and Jerry's probably – Maybe a Not two or three defense. somewhere in between. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so when you're going against the quarterbacks that they'll be facing, uh, if you make a playoff run, you know, a lot of these other teams have really good weapons, and you're wondering how they can you know, cover them. So that, that that's going to be a question for down the road. Um, but even if they didn't want to add someone that could potentially start for them at corner, I still think they could have used like a depth piece. That's what um, I was thinking. Just a guy who like, started just before. A, yeah. Another guy that's out there, like I know Dante Jackson from Carolina. There were rumors that he was available. There you I go. Don't believe he got moved, um, so he's still with the Panthers. So I was kind of thinking maybe they go for a guy like that, and you just trade a yeah, just a pro, a six, like a twenty twenty five six, like they did for uh, Donovan Peoples Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't happen. Um, so they're they must feel comfortable. Either either the some of these teams didn't want to make moves, or they just feel comfortable with you know some of the other depth pieces they have. Um, Maybe Stephen Gilmore comes on in the second half and they're ready to give him more opportunities. I'm not sure, but um, they're riding with the guys they have. (laughs) They are. And that's uh, a little concerning, but, you know, we'll see. Like, you know, Brad tends to prove us wrong a lot of times with some of these moves or or lack thereof. Uh, So we'll see. But, yeah, I think corner depth is 
still kind of an issue because like that Ravens game when Jerry goes down like two right. days before the game and you're kind of like all right who's gonna start here and they put Will Harris on the outside and Will Harris doesn't have a good game and um obviously he wasn't the only one that didn't have a good game that that day but it's like I don't know man you don't you don't really feel comfortable with some of these depth pieces just because they're either yeah. unproven or they haven't been able to get it done this league at least that outside corner for for Will um so you do kind of wonder there but they stood pat and that's kind of kind of what they were thinking this deadline, I guess. Yeah, that's my one thing. It was like, you know, if you were willing to do, because there was a need at receiver, and, you know, Marvin Jones is gone. So if you're willing to do away with a sixth, you know, for a receiver, I was like, why aren't you willing to do away with like a fifth or even a fourth for a corner? But that's another, you know, I mean, that, we'll see. You know, that's the one thing, though, that you're 100% right, Colton. I think if you could just add one more guy who started a game before, multiple games, another pro back there, that just gives you another option if something's not going right one day or whatever it is, that's maybe enough to get you by, you know? And I think that's that would have been one thing I would have explored. The edge piece, I was fine, I think, with them staying away with it, away from it, for a few reasons. I think that the contracts that would have needed to be involved with those maybe would be a little tricky, given the fact they also have to pay some other people here. You never know how that goes over in the locker room either. You know, I don't know if they, you know, they, I know they don't want to mess with stuff. But also, and here's the really the money point. A third round pick and a second round pick is not nothing to this football team yet. <laughs> no, it is not. Okay. The Eagles, the 49ers, and the Chiefs, it's nothing to them. That is, it's like, you know, fairy dust. Doesn't matter. They're already Super Bowl contending football teams. That's not Detroit. And if you think that that's the case, then you're lying to yourself, and that's you're comparing them to the wrong comparison, comparatives, whatever you want to call it. Like, that's just the reality of the situation. So I don't think, and I like Chase Young, and I would agree with you, everyone that said that's a good deal, you know, a third round, whatever. I'm not sure if that's just a throwaway. Like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I don't think you can just say if it doesn't work, it doesn't work yet. I don't think the Lions are in that position. And I'm curious on your thoughts. I think you pretty much agree with me on that one, but I'm curious on your thoughts on the whole thing there. I, I didn't hate that they didn't swing at all, you know. Yeah. Like so my initial reaction to seeing Chase Young go for third is, wow, the Lions could have done that? Like, yeah, right. me they no. couldn't just, they got two thirds. Like, they couldn't get a, they could use a pass rusher, didn't do that move, and now he goes to uh, one of your rivals in the, you know, that you might end up seeing yeah, in, a playoff in, hunt? in yeah. the playoffs, playoff right. hunt team. Um but then you kind of sit back and you, you you take this like above view, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like here. I'll start here. Third rounders, I think, are more valuable than people think. Jalen Ramsey was traded for a third rounder. Yep. <laughs> like, if there's a deal in the offseason that's there with a guy that kind of fits what you want and you're comfortable signing him, or he's already on a deal that you're comfortable with, you can then trade a third rounder for one of those guys in the offseason if they become available. So now you keep that asset. Even if you don't trade for one of those guys, you now have four picks in the top 100. Those are premium picks. Those are projected starters to me, like whether it's early on or down the road. Mm-hmm. If you're drafting a player in the top 100, you should expect them to start at some point. Um, so now they have four picks in the top 100. And they're not at a point roster-wise. While it's gotten so much better than it was in previous years, I right. still think that they are a tier below I agree. You know, a Philly or San Francisco or some of these other teams, right? Um and so I think they could use one more draft with that sort of capital to kind of continue filling out the roster, continue finding like gems on, you know, rookie deals, especially as, 
you know, your window starts to open up and some of these other guys are getting closer to like the end of their rookie deals that you're going to have to pay down the road. You know, maybe you get a guard in the third round that can replace Jonah so you don't have to pay him, I don't know, 18 mil or whatever he's going to command in the open market. And maybe you, that's how teams sort of reload, right? Like what's yeah. on these picks. So I think they're mindful of that. Um, and I also look at their comments and they said all along, and this is kind of what I wrote the other day, they, Brad and Dan are so transparent and they'll often tell you exactly what they're thinking. That's very true. Yeah. Like <laughs> leading up to like key decision-making periods, whether it's free agency or the draft or the trade deadline, they'll tell you, this is kind of what we're thinking. You know, we'll see how it goes. Like they'll, their comments are pretty revealing. Like Brad told us like nine days before the draft that he's not afraid to draft a running back in the first round because it worked for him in LA. And then nine days later, he drafted Jameer Gibbs 12th overall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, they said they wanted like secondary six. help. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. They said they wanted secondary help and defensive help in, in January. And then they spent there in free agency. And it's like, they'll, a lot of GMs will like lie to you or try to like misdirect you or like throw you off the scent. I don't really feel they do that. They don't tell you exactly, but they'll right. like tell you what they're thinking a little bit. And you can kind of pick up from there. It's on you to kind of determine whether, you know, you're on the right track or not. So I felt like this was another one of those situations because Brad was on the radio. He went on 97.1 or sorry, Dan was on the radio. He went on 97.1 the ticket and said, it's got to be the right player. It's got to be a right fit culture wise, timeline wise. And he's got to be like one of our guys. If we're going to bring in an outside voice, you can't mess with the locker room. You know, it's got to be a, a good fit. And he said that Brad was scouring the market and made so many calls and was bringing him, you know, options. And they talked and they didn't determine that there were too many fits like that. And so when I hear them say that, you know, you hear stuff about Chase Young and maybe work ethics and stuff stuff sure. like that. You know, uh, Montez Sweat, he's had some issues in the past. Um, yeah. And I look at the comp- like the compensation for some of these trades. Montez Sweat went for the 37th overall pick right now, like currently slotted at number 37 That's overall for the Bears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Lions aren't beating that unless they trade their first or they trade a second and a third, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a lot of capital for a guy that you don't know much about. And if you're going to trade all that, you have to re-sign him. Like, the Bears are currently in that position where they have to re-sign him to justify dealing that second-round pick right. when they're still rebuilding. Um and now Sweat has all the leverage in that situation, and he can command whatever he wants, and the Bears will have to pay it or let him walk. And that yeah. either way, they're going to have to either overpay or lose this dude that they traded a second-round pick for. Um, so that's their situation. I look at the 49ers, and again, they're in a much different position. They're further along. They were, they've been close. They've made Super Bowls and lost in the past. So it's like their window is now, and they're not really too concerned with some of these third-round picks or a comp pick. Um, which that's what they gave up a comp pick, I I believe. Um, Mm -hmm. So I look at their situation. They can afford to just roll the dice and say, oh, if if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But for them, I think Chase Young is very much a rental. They're not probably don't have the cash base to resign him to the deal that he wants. So you're paying a third round pick for nine games in the regular season and then however many playoff games you have. And that's it for Chase Young with the 49ers. So... The Lions could have traded a third. Sure, they have two of them. But are you comfortable trading a third-round pick for nine games of Chase Young when you're probably not going to resign him anyway because you got to pay all these other guys? And then all of a sudden you lose that third-rounder that you could use to fill out your roster elsewhere because there are still holes on this team mm-hmm. um, that they could use to acquire you know, good players in the draft and um, continue building that roster. So, yeah, I mean, I get the frustration, but I think the Lions have been pretty open about their plan and sticking to it this entire time. And like, they're not going to speed up their 
timeline just because they're winning some games. The fact they're winning some games means they're on the right track and their decisions have been proven correct. So why are they going to change their whole process now when this is what's gotten them right. this far in the first place? Yeah. The fact that they've stuck to their plan all along. Um, and I, I know people are mad. I, I think the biggest disappointment for the fan base <laughs> is that they kind of perceive the line standing pat as Brad and Dan saying, you know, we don't see ourselves as Super Bowl contenders and we're not there yet. And they, I, I, I guess I understand it to, to yeah, an extent. I mean, like, they're not. It though. didn't give them the validation that they're going all in this year, yeah, but sure. like, they were never going to do that. They, no. Tell me, show me one That's time <laughs> where Brad and Dan have said this was a Super Bowl year. Show right. me one time where they said this is our year, or, you know, we're going right. to win it all this year. It's, it's Super Bowl or bust. They've never once said that. This is year three of a total teardown. And their best players Two are years rookies ago. and second year guys. <laughs> they're on their second and third years in the league. So they're getting there, and the fact that they're competing in this process is so encouraging. That's exactly what you want to see. But I think people were kind of disappointed in the message it sent, the perceived message that they sure. aren't going for it. But to me, it's like these other teams have been in the playoffs for years and have gotten close or you know, haven't been able to get over the, over the hump. So a third rounder, when they're so close, they're, they can touch the Lombardi yeah. is nothing to them. Where the Lions, they st- they're not at that point yet. They need another year of building the roster. And then next year, you can, I think, you have that conversation and say, yeah, we'll trade a third. Like, we're cool with that. Let's get this guy and we're over the top now. We're, we're one player away now. The Lions are not one player away. But they can still compete with some of these teams. They've proven capable of competing with good teams over the last year and a half. So to me, it's like, let's get in the playoffs first. Let's see what we can do. Maybe you end up beating a, a Philly. Maybe you end up beating a San Francisco. You never know. We, they haven't done it yet. They haven't proven it yet. So have had the opportunity. So let's get in the playoffs, see what we can do, and then readjust and, and reevaluate in the offseason, and then we can kind of go from there. So I think that's sort of the idea. Mm-hmm. Again, people are going to feel some type of way regardless, but that was my read on the situation, and I kind of wrote about that the other day. I completely agree with everything you said. I mean, I think that's really well put because, yeah, they're not going to change their math for any scenario or situation just because it's working. Like, you know, if, if they were to shotgun this, and like you know, mortgage it and ruin it. Like everyone would be like, oh, "What the hell? What are you like?" That's just not realistic. I mean, when you look at the situation, I think that I look at it like this. Okay, I know people have a hard time tiering teams in the NFL, especially college. It's much easier. The NFL, it's hard, right? Because it's. I try to look at it in simple terms. Uh, there are three tiers annually, usually in the NFL: teams that are going to contend for a Super Bowl, teams that are going to make the playoffs, and teams that are not going anywhere. That's, you know, whether those teams make the playoffs in that middle tier is up to them. But those are the rosters to contend for yeah. Super Bowl, rosters to make the playoffs, rosters to not do anything with. And in some years, you have the occasional, this team is above everybody in the fourth tier. The Lions are firmly in the second one. They're in the second tier. Now, they're toward the top of that one. They're, they're climbing it, but they're absolutely yeah. toward the second tier. And they could climb that thing for years and keep banging their head at the top of it, and they still won't get up because, like Colton just said, you got to go to the playoffs, win games, do something within your own organization and have something there that allows you to then change your math to take a chance. And then you say, our our footing is so solid that we'll take a chance on Jalen Carter next time. We'll do, you know, that yeah. is what you're trying to get to. That's where the Eagles are. That's where the Chiefs are. They didn't get there by just swinging for the fences every single time like it appears <laughs> they do now. They didn't get there by doing that. And anyone who tells you they did is an idiot. <laughs> like, I don't know what else to say on that one. But we'll transition from there to to wrap this up. Donovan Peoples-Jones, 
What was your reaction on that one? My old, uh, I, I've got some Donovan Peoples Jones thoughts. What's your reaction on that one? <laughs> I didn't have any thoughts. I, I didn't follow his career too much. Yeah. Um, but you know, I know he's a local kid. Played at mm-hmm. uh, Cast Tech. Is that right? He did. Yes. So Terrific Cast athlete. Tech product, great athlete. It's got the size, jump ball ability, like athletic ability. Returned some punts, I believe, too. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so good, good pickup. I mean. Brad came out like kind of out of nowhere uh, before Cam was set to speak at 3 p.m. I think, and then Brad randomly showed up out the door at 3 p.m. and we're like, "Oh, what is he doing?" He gets up there, <laughs> announces the trade, says it just happened, and he wanted to let us know, which is cool. We appreciate that. Yeah, nice. Um, and was talking about uh, Donovan Peoples Jones, and you know, someone asked him like, you know, what? Why did you guys go out and get this dude? Is it, you know, I think people were kind of wondering if that was like a JMO type deal, or you're sending a message to him. And Brad kind of said, you know, well, we lost Marvin. You know, Marvin's mm-hmm. not with us anymore, so we needed, you know, a guy to replace him. And I think when you look at kind of their abilities, their play styles, it's somewhat similar. But, um, you know, I thought – I think I saw he only has, like, eight catches this year, and he hasn't right. just – really hasn't been used a ton, which is weird because he was – seemed like he was coming along there for a little bit in his career and getting some opportunities, and then it kind of, like, fell off the face of the earth. So I don't know if it's because they added some pieces, but – um well, kind of fell out of favor there, I guess. Yeah. So here's the b- book on him. Um, he there. You will not find a better full package athlete than him in the NFL as a receiver. There's none. He is the most explosive. Uh, his jump numbers at the combine set records, uh, along with his. I think he was a sub four, four four forty guy as well. So he is a literal like world class athlete. That's what Donovan Peoples Jones has always been, uh, to a point where it can look effortless. To a point where you think he's not trying, and then he'll flirt with actually not really trying, and you'll be like, he's not going full speed, and he's not oh. doing the things that you need. And this was him in college. This that's why he was a six round pick, right? His ball skills were not where they needed to be. Um, sound familiar? I don't, you know anybody? Stop me if you. This sounds familiar. His ball skills were not where they needed to be. Uh, he did not. I don't think spend enough time on fun, Michigan had like a, a mess on the staff at the time with no wide receiver coach. He did not spend enough time on fundamentals. He was a freak athlete who played receiver and sometimes played hard and sometimes decided if he wanted to. And having watched him a little bit, and I went back this week and tried to go back through. Um, because I would always think about, I'd watch him in college and be like, he should be better at everything. And it's like, you're, you're judging, and I would always feel like I'm criticizing him too harshly, you know? Because it's like, he's such a good athlete, he should be better at all this. But it was like, he was still learning how to play football. And I think that I what I've watched last year and this year is I've seen a guy who is at least a, he has grown as a blocker um, to a point where I think he certainly understands now that his ticket in this league is to be an athlete and be a part of, because he's a big guy, he's 6'2", 200 and whatever, be a part of the run game, be an honest part of it. Um, that's something Jameis has never had a problem with. But Donovan, I think, has gotten way better at that now. And he is a more reliable pass catcher than Jameson's probably ever been because he's played in the NFL. He had like 60 catches a couple years ago. Yep. It, look, if if you can get Amon Ross St. Brown and Josh Reynolds to rub off on Donovan Peoples-Jones and he's 24 years old and he's ready to turn into a pro who does it every day, that's going to be a gold mine for a six-round pick. And, like, that's why you do that. But I, I wouldn't get ahead of my skis yet because, like you said, Colton, there were reasons why he wasn't playing in Cleveland, and it's the consistency, or lack thereof. Sometimes you'll get all the smoke from him, and it'll be like, oh, my God, look at that. And then sometimes you don't get any of it, and he just vanishes. And you're like, that's not okay. So, you know, maybe this is maybe the trade and the urgency is playing, like, 
I saw somebody mention, I think Dan Wetzel mentioned this, like, Cast Tech is like people tailgate in the parking lot for, at Cast Tech for Lions <laughs> games, okay? He, this could not be a more cool situation for him. I'm sure he's jacked up for it. I'm curious to see what kind of player they get coming out of this thing here because if he's fired up and focused and ready to prove people wrong, like, that could be a hell of a trade or a hell of a pickup. I'm, I'm with that. I, I get that whole thing, but I would be cautious. I think he has every reason to be motivated. Um, oh, yeah. You know, a fresh start. You get out of Cleveland where you kind of fell out of favor there and get to go back home and play for your hometown team and mm-hmm. got a support system here and a, a franchise that kind of traded for you for a reason and thinks that you can be a piece for them. So yeah. the opportunity's here. He's just got to make the most of it. So yeah. we'll see. And it he's a good like, kid. Um, yeah, I think he'll fit in with yeah. that sense fine. Um, I remember him being pretty quiet. He's not a loud, you know, loud guy in that sense. So I don't think there's going to be any issues with that. Um, sure. But, yeah. I mean, I you know, I had no issue with that. The only thing I would say is defensively, whatever. But I agree with you. I, I You know, whatever Brad says is one thing. Um, obviously, yes, they had a hole with Marvin. But those Jamison and Donovan Peoples-Jones are going to compete for reps going forward. And, right, like there's no other way to look at that. Because both those guys are very – they can do the same things. Donovan can be an X and a Z and anything else you want him to be, same as Jamison. So here we go. <laughs> like seems like a cage match situation to me with two guys who really need to be thrown into a cage, which actually is pretty cool. And I'm very curious to see <laughs> who comes out of this thing, man. <laughs> could be one of those uh, iron sharpens iron situations. Yes, and maybe I think the best so. out of both of them. Maybe. I think you could get that. That would be pretty cool because those two guys are burners, man. And you, if you could light up, but they have the same exact issues, I think. Or they yeah, Donovan used to. It was like the. Man, that looked amazing. Why do I have to wait 45 minutes to see it again? You know, like, <laughs> well, do it every time, you know, like that kind of thing. But I think that's my thing, because people were like, life. oh, this is this is the end of the Jameson Williams era now. No, it's no, like, no, no, no. well, if you're going to put an end to that, wouldn't you bring in a guy that's, like, more reliable than, than Yeah, Jameson? right. Because, like, these, like, you're, very the way you describe them, it's like, they're kind of yeah. similar. So it's yeah. like, I don't know. I feel like maybe both of them can help each other in a way. Like, I hope, we'll see, I hope but... that that's what happens, because I think they're both good kids who... Um, and I think in Donovan's case, like, the, the, when he was at Michigan, it was not, they were not what they are today. Obviously, sign stealing aside, they were not the program they are today in terms of, you know, the coaching staff, um, the level of training. It was it was haphazard, and, like, they didn't have a receivers coach, okay? That's crazy. Like, right? He didn't get... How did they not have one? Because Jim Arbaugh just decided not to. There were years, Colton, <laughs> where I was convinced after Donovan signed there, they would never be able to sign a receiver again. Because they had him and Nico Collins, and they could not get the ball to either of them. And it was just like, what in the hell is happening here? I'm Nico, just trying to figure out the offensive staff setup where you don't have a little bit of a a bunch of run game and pass game coordinators and things oh, of this God. nature. Okay. Um, but yeah, and it was like, <laughs> Nico figured it out by the end and separated himself and became a much higher draft pick. And you see, obviously, he's performing at a high level now. Uh, and Donovan never did. And it was like, I had never quite figured out, like, in my own head, like, how much of that is on him and how much of that is on the staff. And I think, you know, having history as our guide here, like, it's both. It was both. There's hope there for Donovan Peoples-Jones, for sure. He's not a lost cause. And he's yeah. not, like, a replacement, though, either. So I am very curious to see how this works out with both these guys. Yeah, that's going to be interesting, for sure. Yep, no doubt. I'm excited to see it and yeah, get to know him a little bit. And Yeah, yeah that's, be a, that's a big, sure. big deadline pickup. Of, uh, <laughs> we'll see yep. how it goes. He'll but. have his fans, man, in the, in the stands. There'll be a lot of those... 
Number nine jerseys. They loved him and the punt return stuff. That was one thing I'll say that too. I know people were like, well, Raymond is a great punt returner. And I get that. And he is. But they asked Khalif to do a lot. And, you know, if, if Donovan can take something off his plate and add some juice while he's doing it, then I... And if that's all he does, that's worth a six-round pick, in my opinion, right? Like, yeah. if that's all he does is return, like, two punts <laughs> like that are pretty good, I'll take it if I'm the Lions. No doubt. Yeah. I'm, I'm with it. I like it. All right. You got anything else this week, Cole, before we get out of here? You can start your bye. Um, no, I'm going to enjoy my weekend and uh, hope you guys all do the same. Absolutely. Uh, no fighting on Twitter. Be nice to each other. Yeah, especially this week when there's nothing to even <laughs> fight about. To fight about. Yeah. Enjoy. Here's what you guys can do. You can... Uh, you can take solace in the fact that another NFL franchise was freed from a New a England system. <laughs> Do you see <laughs> Bomb- that Sean wrote that they put the basketball hoop in there already? That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Death, taxes, a New England assistant yeah. uh, getting fired yeah. in the vibes. Uh, I, I wrote, I was like, if they put couches in there, the Raiders are going to go out of winning streak. <laughs> like, <here we> <laughs> Ping pong table too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, well I think that'll do it for this week. Appreciate you guys all for listening. Be sure to like, subscribe, and all that. Tell your friends. We'll be back next week with a longer episode, of course. It's fine. Get back to it. But, uh, Colton, I'm Nick. Enjoy the bye, everybody, and uh, we'll talk to you later.